Hi guys, I'm Emily DiDonato and welcome to the Remodeling Podcast. I've gone from model to content creator, founder to mother, city to suburbs, and now podcast host. So much change in just these last couple of years. I won't lie, I felt confused and scared, but also excited and inspired by all of my own big shifts. One thing about change is that we are all going through it. Come along with me as I chat with some of the most inspiring women in my network as they share their stories and break down their greatest life and career pivots. If it's time for your very own remodel, grab your headphones and start here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first solo episode of the Remodeling Podcast. I'm so excited to do this episode. I haven't done a piece of content like this in a very long time where I just sit down and talk to camera or now the microphone and really give you guys an in-depth update in terms of what's going on in my life and how I am feeling about it. In this episode, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of context in terms of all the changes and transitions that have happened over the last couple of years. And then I also wanted to get to a bunch of the questions that you guys sent in. You sent in wonderful questions, so stay tuned for that. But first, I think it's important that I give you some background in terms of why I started this podcast and why it felt really important to me. I've been really open on my social media platforms in terms of the changes that I've gone through over the last couple of years. You know, I went from city to suburbs recently. I lived in Manhattan for over 10 years. It was a place that I called home and I loved very much. And I made this change to the suburbs. I also had two kids in two years and motherhood alone totally rocked my world and changed my life. And then, of course, really big career changes as well. You know, I was a model for many, many years. Then I started creating content. Then I also launched a business a couple of years ago. And now I'm here and starting this podcast and working on this type of content. But all these changes and all these transitions, they were things that were really top of mind. And the conversations that I was having with my friends and my family And I always say that the only thing promised in life is change. We are all experiencing and going through change. I think that although change is universal, then everyone is going through it. That doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it any more simple. And it doesn't make it any more comfortable. I actually find change really uncomfortable. I am a creature of habit and a creature of routine. So when things change, I feel really thrown off. But I've really enjoyed having these conversations and learning about other people's changes, what they've went through, how did they get from point A to point B, how did they make those decisions, and what did they learn from their greatest life and career pivots. And in each of these conversations, I've been able to hear everyone's life stories and how they decided to create the life that they have. And I think that that's really powerful and it's really interesting. And my goal in having these conversations is that you feel less alone in your changes, or maybe that you feel inspired to create your next new chapter because making the decision to make changes It takes courage, it takes bravery, and sometimes we need a little inspiration to hear why it might be the right time in your life to make a change. I have been so lucky to meet so many interesting, powerful, inspirational women over the years and being able to bring them in and bring their stories into this podcast for all of you to hear has been a real blessing. And I feel very lucky to be able to do that because hearing these conversations makes me feel less alone. And I hope that you feel the same way too. Okay. I've given you the background in terms of why I've decided to start this podcast that I love so much, but I think now we can get into the Q&A, and I'm excited to give you an update on things, so let's get into it. The most popular question that I was getting was, how has the transition from one to two been? If you don't know, I had two kids in two years, the famous two under two. So overall, it has been a wonderful experience, I won't lie. 
Also won't lie that my son is already seven months old. My daughter just turned two. So I'm out of the weeds a little bit. If you would ask me this question when my son was six weeks old, my eyes would be crossed and my head was spinning because I was in the newborn period and waking up and breastfeeding and not getting much sleep and had no idea how to handle logistically, spiritually, emotionally, two children that pretty much need you all the time. I was joking at a dinner the other day that I was like, I I can't even picture the day that like one of my kids can put their own pants on. Because the thing with two under two, they're both very little. They need you for everything. They need you to put on their pants and shoes and all of those things. Don't get me wrong. I love those things. I love caring for my children and there's nothing else that I really want to do. Um, But they need you and you're spread kind of thin because they both need you a lot. But I don't think that's ever going to end. I think that's motherhood, but that's how I feel at the moment. I also don't want to come at this from like a toxic positivity point of view, but I do have to say that going from one to two, having two kids has brought a fullness to my life that I really, really love. I kind of love the chaos. I think that it's like double the fun double the cuteness. But of course, it's also double the craziness, double the crying. Sometimes when one of them's crying and then the other one starts crying and they're making each other cry and I'm just sitting there like, whoo, <laughs> I got myself into this situation and I'm going to have to figure out how to make this <laughs> better. But overall, I've I've really enjoyed it. The, the first couple of months, I definitely found it challenging because I felt spread thin. And it's like I wanted to give my toddler all the love and attention that I was giving her prior to my son being born. But I also wanted to give my son all my love and attention as well because I wanted the opportunity to bond with him the same way that I did with my daughter when she was born. So I think the mom guilt comes in hot with two. You just feel like you should be doing more with one or more with the other. So that's just never ending. I don't have an answer for mom guilt. Sometimes people are like, how do you handle that? I I don't have an answer. It hits me so hard. But I think that's the one kind of challenging part of having two. You're just spread more thin. You have two little people who really, really need you and you want to give each of them everything. But there's only so many hours in the day. So it's hard. The other piece of background that I also wanted to give you guys, and I don't think it's responsible of me to talk about motherhood without kind of sharing what my support system looks like. So when my son was born, I had a baby nurse, and I've shared this on Instagram, and people are very interested in this. Um, She was a wonderful woman. She was also with me when I had Teddy. She lived with us and helped me take care of Oliver. She would help with night feedings. She would help me with breastfeeding. She would help take care of him during the day. And that was beyond helpful. I think that this is not a relatable thing, but I also think it's important for me to be honest and it wouldn't be kind if I didn't share what my village looks like. But without that village, I wouldn't be able to do so many things like record this video right now. And my baby nurse is no longer with us. We have a full-time nanny who helps me take care of both kids. But I just didn't think it was fair to not kind of share what things look like here. So that paints the picture a little bit better for you guys. Because I know motherhood can make you compare yourself so much to other people and their situations and what it looks like for them or what it looks like it feels like for them. You know, I've shared on Instagram before, my husband works a lot. He works oftentimes seven days a week, 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. He travels a ton. So it was really important for us to kind of build this village in other ways. He is not readily available to help me at all times with the kids. So we kind of had to figure out how we were going to make this system work. And I think that we have figured out how to make it work, but that's kind of our situation and what it looks like. 
granted, going from zero to one, I suffered from really bad postpartum anxiety. And I shared that on Instagram. You know, I had intrusive thoughts. I never slept. I obsessively looked at my baby and the baby monitor. I was always worried that he wasn't breathing. And I was having heart palpitations. And I always say I felt like I was on some sort of like hard drug 24 hours a day. I was always drenched in sweat. I was just so terribly anxious. I remember when the sun would go down and this happened a little bit with my son, but not as much, but the sun would go down and I would just feel this impending doom and dread and sadness that would come over me and anxiety. And I felt so scared every single night for the first like five months of having Teddy. And it was so hard. So then after when I had Oliver, I had that a little bit less. I still had DMER with both of them, which I can share a little bit more about that, which it's dysphoric milk ejection reflex. So it's basically every single time I breastfeed or I nurse, I get this really intense, heavy, shameful sadness that overtakes my body. It makes me very anxious and kind of like I want to crawl out of my skin for the first like 30 seconds to a minute of breastfeeding. And It has something to do with your dopamine dropping when you breastfeed, and both times that was really, really difficult, but less bad with Oliver, so I was grateful for that. But I think the second time around too, I knew what I was doing and I knew what to expect. If I'm being honest, I never babysat as a kid. I was the youngest in my immediate family and my extended family. So I never spent much time around kids. So when I had Teddy, I had this newborn and I was like, I have no idea what to do with this tiny baby. So when Oliver came around, I was so much less anxious. I was actually able to sleep when he slept, the famous sleep when the baby sleeps. Like I actually did that. And I was way calmer. I won't lie. It was a little bit more blue after him. I felt a little bit more lethargic and it was a much more difficult physical recovery with him because I got a third degree tear and it was super painful, really uncomfortable. And I had the same thing with Teddy, not as severe, Oliver was over nine pounds, almost 10 pounds. So he, you know, he did me dirty and it was really painful. It made the physical recovery kind of tough, but you know, once he started sleeping through the night, which was around nine or 10 weeks, I think obviously that changes everything. And I'm talking about having two kids right now while both of my kids sleep through the night. So I'm able to be like, it's amazing. It's great. It's amazing. And it's great right now. And I'm loving it. I love having the two of them. They just make my heart explode and full of love and gratitude and adorableness, but that's where I'm at right now. The newborn stage was difficult. I won't lie. I just, I don't love the newborn stage. You have to be so careful with them. They don't give you a lot of feedback. You're just kind of feeding them and changing them. And I think it's the feedback thing the most because once your baby smiles at you or once your baby laughs for the first time, you forget everything that you just went through. And then you think about having a third. That's me at least. (laughs) The next question I got was maintaining identity outside of motherhood. I don't know how well I can answer this question because I don't think I have it fully figured out, but I can share a couple of things that I think have been helpful. The thing about motherhood, at least for me, I felt like a lot of my identity changed slash disappeared after I had kids because all of your energy and love and passion almost goes into your little tiny people that you're raising and nothing else seems to matter. I think there's something so beautiful in that. But then sometimes when you're by yourself, you're kind of like, who am I? What do I like? Who are my friends? What do I like to do? I don't have a single hobby. So in terms of finding your identity or maintaining it, for me, the biggest thing is finding time to be alone and do things that make you feel like you. 
I don't want to say make you feel like the old you, but for me, it is a little bit of a version of the old me. Like the other day, I was in the city and I was walking around and I actually was there for a doctor's appointment, so it wasn't anything that exciting. But I was walking around the city. I went into a few stores. I went to my doctor's appointment. I got a manicure, pedicure. I saw a friend and I just did things by myself that Emily enjoys that Emily wanted to do. And I think just being alone and doing things that kind of fill your cup and you feel like you're taking care of yourself is just, it's so helpful. I feel like my body charges in a way. And I'm a better mother for it too, because a happy mom is a good mom. And I think for me, it's important energetically to bring in a whole and happy and fulfilled version of myself to my house and to my kids and to my husband. Easier said than done though, because there are many times, like literally three days ago, where I'm saying to my husband, I have no hobbies. I hate my life right now. I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know how to feel better. He even said to me, I don't know if you're doing a good enough job taking care of yourself and figuring out exactly what it is that you need. So back to the question, what do you need to keep sight of that identity I think it's just finding those things that make you feel like you and make you feel whole. Sometimes for me, it's going for a walk by myself. I also recently started journaling, and this has been in a really amazing way for me to kind of reflect and also feel grateful for what happened that day, that week, what I feel excited for. I also do affirmations in there. Working out for me is another way that makes me feel very strong and confident and happy, and it feels like that's for me. Getting a blowout. Getting a blowout, I swear, is like, so effective at boosting my mood and morale. Don't knock it until you've tried it. For my pregnancy and postpartum, getting a blowout was like a transformative experience. The bar was low, but it still helped. (laughs) I don't know if it answers the question because your identity, I feel lost in motherhood. I feel consumed by motherhood. And it feels like nothing else matters. And I think there's a reason for that, right? Because our little people need us like a lot. So we feel a little lost in that. And it brings me great purpose and great joy to be that source of care for them. But it also sometimes leaves me feeling empty and leaves me feeling confused about who I am outside of that role. I think that I don't have exact answers for you, but I am here with you in solidarity that I also feel that way. I know that also when I say, find time for you, go for a walk, go for a workout, head into the city. Once you have children, logistically, it becomes harder to prioritize yourself in that way, but you are worth that planning and that time and you will become a better mother for it. So that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) Okay. The next category we are going to get into is changes in your relationship after having children and just general marriage questions. So let's do it. The first question was, did your relationship after Teddy change? So my husband and I have been together for 10 years now. And yes, of course, my relationship changed after we had children. I don't want to scare anyone away because the first thing I do want to say is, yes, it changed. But what I will also say is that my marriage is better and stronger after having children. Granted, Kyle and I put a lot of work and effort into our relationship, and I'll get into some of the things that we do for that. But yes, after I had Teddy and Oliver, but it was way worse with Teddy, I felt totally jealous of Kyle. He was not experiencing the body changes, the breastfeeding the giant tear in my vagina. Um, 
he was not the one waking up at night and nursing, and he wasn't dealing with all of the insane hormone changes that I was going through. And I was like, wow, it looks like your life has not changed at all. And it also didn't change when I was pregnant, right? Right when you're pregnant, you're already like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I eat? What can I eat? And you're prepping for this massive change to come. And then when you're postpartum, I just felt like the lowest, most anxious, most blue version of myself. And my confidence was so low too, because I had this baby and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And I was like, this is the most important job that I'm ever going to have in my lifetime. And I feel like I am scrambling. I don't know what I'm doing. I should be better at this. I should know more. I should know how to soothe my baby. I should know how to get her to sleep. I should know how much she should be eating. And I didn't. I felt like I was just learning as I was doing it, as most of us are, right? But I felt like I was failing at it from the minute it started. (laughs) And I think that I was just kind of resentful. And I will say after I had my son, that feeling was a little bit less because I was able to, I felt more confident in my role and had a better idea of what things were going to be like and what it was going to look like. But I think that what changes after you have a baby is obviously logistically, there's so much more to do. There's a whole other person to take care of. There's a lot more planning that needs to be done. And And there's a lot more communication that needs to happen. The communication is something that we are always working on. So a couple of things that Kyle and I do, we are heavy on therapy. We have been going to couples therapy almost once a week for like six or seven years. Before we were married, we were going to therapy, not because we were like raging or fighting all the time, but we just both felt it was really important to have a designated time during the week where we really talked about our relationship, what's working, what's not. The other thing that Kyle and I do is we have a weekly meeting. And I always say, once you have kids, you become like a business that needs to run well. So we have our weekly meeting. It has an agenda. We talk about family, gifts, upcoming events. What are we eating for dinner this week? When is he around? When is he not around? We talk about Everything that needs to be addressed for the week, for our life, our marriage, our children, for all of that to run well. So that helps to make sure that this communication is strong, it's happening, we are both aware of all of the events and what is going on during the week. But I think the thing that changes after you have children is you go from it's just the two of you. You do what you want, when you want, how you want, and it's kind of just about the two of you enjoying your life and building the life together. Then you bring a tiny baby into the picture and your responsibilities go through the roof and you want to do a good job taking care of this little person. So much goes into it energetically, emotionally, physically, mentally, and you go from just being two people who are in love to being parents. And it's just a huge responsibility. And I think that honestly, at the end of the day, things change so much for the mom. And I will die on that hill. And I think that moms deserve more and need more support. And I did have a lot of support here. And I was going to therapy after I had my children. And I did have a baby nurse, someone who was really here to help me take care of my newborn and learn about what it takes to take care of a newborn. At the end of the day, I remember both times, by the time I got to around six months postpartum, and I kind of talked about this a little bit in my episode with Violette, I was able to get a little bit more perspective both times that, hey, His life is also changing. He is also learning how to be a dad. He is learning how to be a husband to me, who is now a mother. And he is also on a major learning curve and trying to figure this out. And also, you know, 
I was going through such a hard time. And I don't think Kyle knew exactly how to support me. And by the way, I was not very good and I'm still figuring out exactly what it was that I needed to feel better. Like kind of communicating clearly, this is what I'm going through and this is what I need to feel better. Because I think the first time around with my daughter, I was like, I don't, I'm at a loss. I'm confused. I'm in a diaper. Like my boobs are leaking everywhere. My hormones are through the roof. I'm awake all the time. I don't know what I need. I need like a lobotomy. (laughs) I was like, I'm so confused and I don't feel good. And I don't know what's going to make me feel better. But the second time around, I was a little better able to communicate, hey, I need to take a nap. Hey, I'm super hungry. Or, hey, I want to leave where we are right now because I don't feel good and I need to go pump and I want to go see my kids. Whatever it might be, I was just more clear and more direct and more able to do that. But I think that a lot of people sometimes try to act like your marriage is not going to change or maybe you're not going to have some difficulties after you have children. I have never met anyone None of my friends or anyone in my network has ever skipped that phase completely. You don't just run away into the sunset with your new baby and it's all roses. You have so much to learn and so much to do and a massive new responsibility in your arms. And it's the best thing ever, but you become a team on a whole new level. And there is a massive and major learning curve with that. And getting the communication down and figured out is not easy, but extremely important. But anyway, yes, the changes have occurred, but Kyle is a wonderful dad. Watching him become a dad has been such a treat and just watching him love it so much and love our kids so much. It, it, it has made me love him more. It has made me appreciate him and respect him more. And it has made our relationship so much stronger and so much closer. And it's like, now we're building this family, we're a unit. And it's sometimes really fun to think like we're parents now. We have our kids' childhood in our hands. Like what do we want our traditions to be? What do we want our nightly dinners to look like? What kind of vacation people do we want to be like? And that's been so exciting to think about that together. And we really enjoy thinking about that together and really building and envisioning what our life as a family looks like. So that part is beautiful. The next question was how to co-parent with a busy partner. But the honest and realistic answer to this question is that Kyle works a lot, so we needed to bring in other people into our home to help us with the kids. And we really use those resources to help us feel like we're both being fulfilled and able to do things that make us happy or do the work that we need to do while also making sure that our children are cared for and growing and all of those things. But anyway, I discuss kind of changes in relationship and marriage after having children. We can move on to the next category of questions, which are around nutrition and workout and my body postpartum. I get a lot of questions about this, and I actually think that I'm going to do a total dedicated episode to this topic. Um, My trainer, Elise, Elise Body Shop on Instagram, I share a lot of content with her on Instagram, and I get many questions about our workouts, how we're approaching it, and how I'm approaching kind of fitness postpartum round two. So stay tuned for that, but I will give you guys kind of an idea of what things are looking like this time. The other thing that's really important for me in terms of how I feel about the way that my body is changing, getting through those changes and getting through that time. And if you're feeling low and you're not feeling good about it, for me, it's really important to zero in on my self-talk. So if I find myself looking in the mirror and being like, oh, I hate that about myself or oh, I wish that was different. I kind of have to think about what I'm thinking. Think about what you're thinking. Um, 
and stop myself and replace those thoughts with something more positive. And the way you talk to yourself is so important. So instead of being like, I don't like that about myself, try to find what you do like about yourself, what you do feel good about. Like I mentioned earlier, I really love these jeans today. I really love this outfit. I feel really cute in it. Or my body feels so strong today. I just had such an amazing workout. Like really making sure that I am stopping those negative thoughts and that negative self-talk in its tracks. I feel like in my head lives a very mean girl who's very mean to me. Um, and I have to keep her in check and keep her in place. And I feel like that makes me sound crazy, but kind of, I feel like that negative self-talk or that those negative conversations, that's not me. And that's not how I want to treat myself. And that's not the kind of energy that I want to bring into my household. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I am a little wooey in the sense that I think about what kind of energy I want to bring into our home. And I have a daughter now. So obviously I'm very sensitive, I feel like to how I'm thinking and how I'm feeling around her. So if I'm in my head saying things like that to myself, there's no way that's not going to leak into my family and my life and the energy that I am putting out there. So I really try to be mindful of that. Having positive self-talk and sometimes for me, I have to find affirmations for me to repeat to myself. I've been really into the affirmations thing. It's kind of a new thing for me. I recently started journaling and I look for three affirmations every single day and I look at them over and over again throughout the day. I write them in my journal and that really helps me kind of get my self-talk and my inner thoughts, my conscious in the right place, if that makes sense. I know that that doesn't make the body changes easier, but I think that it helps you kind of replace some of, at least for me, the negative talk and the negative chatter that goes on in my head. What do we say to ourselves instead? I hope that's helpful, but I won't lie to you that I still struggle with my body. I still struggle with those changes. I have really, really bad days, and sometimes I have good days. After my second baby, I do think that overall and holistically, I am in a better place with those changes and more easily able to accept them, but you kind of have to let yourself go through the cycle, go through the changes and let a little bit of time pass so that you can get a little bit more perspective in terms of, yes, all of these changes happen, but look at everything that I've gained from it. That does not solve your problem. It does not perfectly answer your question, but those are my thoughts around it. The next question is self-care tips. What do you do to feel alive? So for me to feel alive, it's kind of simple. It's working out every single day, getting some sort of sweat in. Seeing friends makes me feel so alive. Um, making sure that I'm treating myself well. So that includes sleeping well, seven to eight hours a night. If you're a new mom, I'm sorry, you will sleep again. Um, but sleeping really well, also making sure I'm drinking enough water, I'm feeding myself well, making sure I'm eating nutritious meals, also getting my hair done, call me boring, shallow, whatever you want. Getting a blowout and getting my nails done is like such a transformative and mood boosting experience and just makes me feel good about myself and good in my body. And those are a few really small things that I do sometimes where I just like need a boost. Also revisiting my affirmations is very helpful, but I hear you. I definitely have days where I just don't feel alive and I'm also not motivated to do those things. And I kind of sit in my own negative thinking and emotions. Don't have it solved again, but working on it. Okay. So somebody asked me, what does your morning routine look like? So my morning routine looks like this. I wake up 
pretty early. Honestly, I wake up sometimes between 5 and 5.30 a.m. Mind you, I also go to bed at like 8 o'clock at night. I kid you not. So in the mornings, I wake up, I go downstairs, I make my giant iced oat milk latte, and then I get out my journal. Like I mentioned earlier, I have recently gotten into journaling and I love it so much. I get really crafty about it. I have stickers. I print out photos. I put envelopes, receipts, whatever I can in my journal. It's almost like a mixture of a scrapbook and a journal. In the morning, I always do my gratitude journal. So I choose two, three, four things that I feel grateful for that day. And sometimes my gratitude journal in the morning is as simple as like, I'm just grateful to wake up in a quiet, warm house and I'm able to drink my coffee and have a few moments to myself. And that usually is genuinely what I'm very grateful for when I wake up at the crack of dawn. And then I always do affirmations. Affirmations, sometimes I have to look them up on my phone or I have an envelope in there with a bunch of affirmations and I kind of choose how I'm feeling that day and where I need a little bit of a boost. And my affirmations really help with that. I know this might sound a little wooey, the affirmations thing, but it really has helped me. I started doing this journaling. I actually do it in the morning and sometimes I also do it at night because I was desperately looking for something else to do with my hands outside of scrolling on my phone. The scrolling and just incessantly checking my phone was really getting out of hand and it really gets out of hand for me when I'm going through something personally. I kind of do it as like almost like a tick. And it's, I, I actually looked at my screen time and I'm not even scrolling on Instagram or TikTok or those things. That's what I thought it was going to be. I'm just opening it and closing it and opening, check my email, check my checks, check my DMs and I like exit. Um, so I was looking for something else to do with my hands and the journaling has been so helpful. And in my journal, I doodle in there. There's stickers. I draw pictures. I do all sorts of things in there because it's my journal and I can do whatever I want. And it's kind of a creative outlet. It allows me to feel grateful. And I like putting photos in there so I can kind of reflect on the day and the things that I enjoyed in that moment. So that's been really helpful for me. After I do my journaling, then I usually try to get a workout in before my kids wake up. I do like to work out very early in the morning if I can squeeze it in, but sometimes I do it later in the day. I'll do a Peloton. I'll walk on the treadmill. And then I usually go and wake up my kids. I wake them up at seven. Sometimes they're awake. Sometimes they're not. Um, Oliver tends to snooze a little bit more. I usually give him a bottle first, and then I wake up my daughter. We go downstairs, and we all have breakfast together. I try to do that. We all eat, hang out, and then my nanny tends to start around eight, and then the day begins. Sometimes I leave them and run some errands. I do some work, and that's kind of what my mornings look like. My evenings, I love to take a hot shower. The second I put my kids down, I run into the bathroom, and I take a boiling hot shower because that just makes me feel so much better. Um, I do my skincare routine. I do the cubby routine, obviously all day, every day. And then I like to make a cup of tea. I make a cup of chamomile tea. And I also put a little bit of magnesium in my tea. And I find that that really helps me kind of settle down. Sometimes I then journal again. My husband always wants to watch something on TV. We can never agree on anything. And I actually find sometimes when I watch TV, I get kind of amped up and emotional before bed. He's like, Emily, it's just a show. And I'm like, this is making me very upset, especially when we watch things like Black Mirror. Um, So sometimes we'll read. I'll say, let's just go upstairs and read. Getting into reading before bed has been such a nice habit, and I love doing it together. At night, I really like to read fiction. In the mornings, if I have some time, I really like to read nonfiction. Um, That's kind of my morning and evening routines. The next question was around what I eat in a day. I'm not going to lie to you. What I eat in a day is very simple and it's very, very boring, (laughs) especially when I am in a time like this where I still have some of my baby weight that I would like to lose. I am eating very boring and very simple. So in the mornings, I have eggs. I really try to prioritize protein. That's really big for me. So I try to do 30 grams of protein at each meal. For lunch, I'll eat 
chicken, Brussels sprouts, some sweet potatoes, some quinoa, and then I do something very similar for dinner. And then for my snacks, I'm doing things like yogurt, cottage cheese, nuts, peanut butter, fruit. I keep it whole foods. I keep it simple. And I really try to prioritize the protein. I say that my meals are like boring and simple because I think sometimes the way weight loss or eating healthy can be portrayed on social media is like acai bowls and avocado toast covered in olive oil and all these things. And those are not the things that I'm eating when I'm trying to lose weight. I think that can work for some people. That doesn't work for me. For me, what tends to work is eating a high protein diet that's also low carb, but making sure that I'm eating lots of vegetables. But that's kind of just a small peek into what I eat in a day, but I can talk about that more in depth. In terms of my workouts, what's happening there is I tend to work out with my trainer three times a week, and we weightlift primarily. Um, we do deadlifts, squats, hip bridges, chest press, pull downs, all of that kind of stuff. I absolutely love lifting weights. And then I also do about two days a week of like low intensity cardio. So that's walking on the treadmill at about three miles per hour. And then I usually do some sort of kind of more high intensity HIIT training about twice a week. That's only about 20 minutes long. I wear a heart rate monitor and I really try to make sure that I'm hitting that zone five. Um, and that's kind of what my workouts are looking like. Somebody asked me what I am doing to combat the winter blues. Great question and don't know if I have a perfect answer for that. Honestly, it's like getting outside and getting some sunshine on your face. The other thing that really helps me is cold water exposure. So we actually have a cold plunge, but I don't go in there as much. I actually just prefer to do cold showers. I do them for about 30 seconds to a minute or as long as I can stand it. That helps my mood so much. I know people say that, but like it really helps. Honestly, I was cold plunging while I was pregnant. Um, and I know people might be like, what? But I was so blue with Oliver. I was really down in the dumps with him. I cried a lot when I was pregnant with Oliver. And I just felt kind of lethargic with him. And the cold plunge was a game changer. It was so helpful with just boosting the mood when you need it. Okay, I think that covers a lot of the questions that you guys sent in, but we do have some time for some more fun and lighthearted questions, some random areas and random topics, so let's do it. Somebody asked me, are you a Swifty? Yes, I am a Taylor Swift fan. I have been a Taylor Swift fan since Teardrops on My Guitar came out, and I think I was in seventh or eighth grade. I'll never forget when I listened to it with my best friend, Kate, and we were just in awe. We loved it so much. We cried about our non-existent boyfriends or crushes about it. I'm pretty sure Taylor Swift had a YouTube channel. I remember her friend Abigail being on that YouTube channel. We would watch that. We were just totally in love and obsessed with her. I feel like Taylor Swift has gotten me through so many different eras of myself. Like, I will never forget when Red came out and the song 22 came out, I was 22 and I lived in New York City. And just walking around New York City as a single girl listening to 22 was like iconic. It was iconic. And it was my anthem. And so many of her songs have gotten me through my own heartaches and heartbreaks and changes in my life. So I love her. She's my favorite artist. And I listen to Taylor Swift every day. But like who doesn't, right? Somebody asked me, what are your favorite hobbies? Something I'm working on for sure is finding new hobbies, especially out here in the suburbs. 
I am a true suburban woman. I play tennis now and I love it. Love tennis and I feel like I go into flow when I'm playing tennis. My journaling has honestly become a hobby of mine because I draw pictures in there. I print photos. I really like to make it look beautiful. I've gotten really into stickers and it's really something that I like to sit down and it's quiet time that I really like to have for myself. So that is one thing that I really love to do and a hobby of mine. Um, And I love working out. I don't know if that's considered a hobby, but it really is something that makes me happy, boosts my mood. It's something I love learning about. It's something I like doing different versions of. So I really love working out. And then it's like the usual stuff. I love seeing my friends. I love going for walks with people. So I'd say those are my hobbies. Somebody asked me about how do you build your personal style? I am actually on a new journey with building my personal style because I feel like my personal style added to the list of things that have changed after having children and after moving to the suburbs. When I was a single girl living in New York City, I was always like in a high heel boot and sneakers and like I I I, I just like knew what to wear. In the suburbs, I don't know what to wear. As a mom, I'm trying to figure out what styles look good on me, what vibe is right. I'm also not wearing high heel boots to preschool pickup. Godspeed if you do, and I love you for it, but I'm not. Um, So I'm still figuring out my style, but I think it's helpful to find people on social media or Pinterest that their style resonates with you and the vibe resonates with you. And I think it's always helpful to kind of put together a sort of mood board of that. And I do that sometimes, and a lot of times it's just screenshots, and I'm like, I can recreate a version of this. Sometimes that's like the easiest and best way for me to try on different personal styles, find a reference, and really try to recreate it with what you have in your closet and you're kind of trying on a new style or aesthetics and see if you like it and if it fits your energy and your mood. And I think that's really helpful. But I think with the changes in like my role as a mother and my location, I am figuring out my personal style again. I actually think I could do a whole episode on this. I actually thought about bringing on my friend Allison Bornstein to talk about it because I'm still trying to figure it out. Somebody asked me, what are the podcasts that you love? I love the Tim Ferriss podcast. I love the Morning Toast, Something More Light. I love the Blonde Files by Ariel Lore. I love the Andrew Huberman podcast. I love the Skinny Confidential. There's so many great ones. Um, But sometimes I do really like something a little more lighthearted. I also like Ride, which is, I think that's a Dear Media podcast. Something light, I can laugh, I can have fun. I feel like I'm chatting with friends or listening to friends chat and catch up. But yeah, those are my favorite podcasts. The last and final question was, what do you think is the change that most affected you? And I actually think the change that most affected me, I mean, motherhood, of course, kind of takes the cake, but changing locations has been my biggest change and biggest thing that I needed to kind of get used to and adjusted to. Let me go into a little bit more detail in terms of how I felt about my move from city to suburbs. So like I mentioned earlier, I had lived in the city for over 10 years. It was really my home. I went through my 20s in the city. I felt like the city was very tethered to my identity and who I was and my independence, and I grew up there. So leaving and coming to the suburbs, I really did feel like a fish out of water. I felt lonely. I felt confused. You know, my husband commutes and goes into the city almost every single day. So I remember when we first moved here and I was kind of like really out of sorts. In the city, you can walk out the door and head to the store, do an errand, go to a playground. Everything is at your fingertips. Moving to a new place, I felt very unsettled. I didn't know where to go, didn't know where to go eat, didn't know where to go grocery shopping, where do I get my nails done? 
Um, and also not being surrounded by friends. I literally lived next door to my best friend who also had a baby and I saw her almost every single day. And my friends in that community, especially as a new mom, was so important and helped me so much. So moving to this new place, I almost felt like I had this whole agenda. I had a new work stream, which was to somehow get and feel grounded and settled in this new place, not only for me, but for my family and for my kids. So it was like, I need to meet people. And luckily everyone where I live is very, very kind, very friendly, very welcoming. But who do I want to hang out with? Where should my children go to school? How do I make friends? How do I help my daughter make friends? And how do I adjust to like this new area? I'm in a house now. There was so much more to do and to manage in a house versus living in an apartment. Like there was just so much more to do. And I felt like I added a whole other little job onto my life, which was getting settled in this new place. So the first couple of months, I don't think I even started to feel remotely settled here until after six months. And even still, I'm at a little over a year now and I'm still figuring it out. And then I desperately miss my friends in the city and kind of want to run back there. Then there's a part of me that's like, I can't always run back to the city and my friends there because I really need to make an effort to make friends and relationships here. But I'm sure you guys know that making new friends as an adult is, it's hard. It's like dating. You really have to put yourself out there. You have to look for people that you think you would like and connect with. And luckily I have met some people that I I really like and enjoy. And I've had to set up coffee dates and let's go to this class together. Let's go to this Pilates class. Let's go to lunch quickly. I fully feel like I'm five years old asking people to be my friend, but that's kind of how it is. It's definitely been a really big transition and I am still in it. So yeah, I would say the move was definitely the biggest change transition for me, for the family and finding our bearings here, our community here, and what our new life here is going to look like. And I miss the identity that I had that is tethered to my life in the city, but It's uncomfortable and I'm still trying to figure it out, but that's kind of, I think, what's been the biggest change for me. But yeah, I think that wraps up all of our questions here. And I can do another episode like this if you guys really enjoyed it. But thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It really goes a long way. I read all the reviews and I really appreciate everyone that has reviewed it thus far. And we will be coming up with new episodes very soon, a bunch of new guests. Please shoot me a DM if you have any requests, anyone or anything that you would like to hear about or hear from. And I really appreciate you guys listening and I will see you guys and hear from you next time. I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode. Sitting down for these conversations really gives me so much life and so much inspiration. I can't wait to share who's up next. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to keep up with us on Instagram for upcoming guests and episodes. I'm at Emily DiDonato. We can't wait for all that's to come. See you soon.